I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. What a wonderful message and song. Jesus will love us still. Notice that course starts with, the Bible will still have the answers. Uh, and that's true, right? Everything else that he said in, in the course all comes from the Bible. The way we know that God's still on his throne, the way we know Jesus still loves us is because the Bible tells us so. And so we are a church centered around the Bible because the Bible is centered around Christ. And uh, we are going to be centered around Christ as long as we put his word first, and that's what we want to do here this morning. So if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 22, Deuteronomy chapter 22, be looking at verses 22 through 30 this morning, Deuteronomy 22, uh, 22 through 30, and if you don't have a Bible, grab the Pew Bible there and turn to page 154 in the Pew Bible, page 154 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, then please take that pew Bible as our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take it and use it. Now this morning, I've, uh, I've changed the, the title. This morning as I was studying my scripture, studying my sermon notes and all that, uh, I, I just had an impression to change the title. So if you're following, if you've got your notepad there, that, that was published like Wednesday. That's when I turned that in on Wednesday. And it was published and, and Marion printed it and put it out. But this morning, the Lord said, no, we're going to change this a little bit. And so the title to the sermon this morning is changed uh, to Protect Your Purity. Protect your purity. Same concept, right? I think the, the former title was uh, Guard Against Sexual Immorality, but we're going to put it more concisely. Protect your purity, because that's what, really what we're focusing on this morning. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 22, we're focusing on purity. That's a whole concept that's here. It's purity, and all of this is kind of flowing out of the, the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery the the principle the the biblical principle behind that commandment is a principle dealing with purity you're not to commit adultery because you're to protect your purity purity is essential when it comes to God's people and living out for God and conforming to the image and nature of God God is very concerned about our purity that's why he tells us in his word be holy. You be holy as the Lord your God is holy. In other words, you be pure. You be pure. You be holy as the Lord your God is pure and holy. I mean, that is a command for God's people. And so this idea of purity should be ever on our minds. Now, in our world today, we have to confess purity is not very important to our world. In fact, purity in our world, in our cultural context, is kind of laughable. If you talk about purity in our world, it's laughable. People are not concerned with purity. People are consumed with sexual immorality. That's what our world is consumed with. They're, they're not concerned at all about purity. And if we're absolutely honest, there's many Christians that are not concerned about purity 
Right? A lot of Christians, they'll, they'll say, oh yeah, purity, yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. That's, that's great and wonderful. But then when it comes down to applying that in their lives, they're really not that concerned about purity. We need to be very clear. We, we should be very concerned about purity. Purity should be an important matter for each and every child of God. We are called to be holy as the Lord our God is holy. Therefore, we're to pursue purity. And that means pursuing sexual purity. That means pursuing sexual purity and protecting that purity. Actively protecting that purity from a corrupt world that's trying to deface that purity. Now, last week we considered protecting the household from sexual immorality. In other words, uh, we, we looked at how to protect the household's purity. And now in this week, we, we come to the individual, more focused on the individual. And today we, we see in our message this morning, in your pursuit of holiness, protect your purity. In your pursuit for holiness as a, a personal follower of Jesus Christ, in your pursuit of holiness, protect your purity. Protect your purity. At all costs, protect your purity. And today I want to share with you five ways to protect your purity. And we're going to see that this is an important matter for God in our text. And so as we see the importance of our purity to God, we want to protect our purity so we're going to see that this morning and the new testament calls us to this as well in case you're wondering is this just the old testament thing no it's a new testament thing too john chapter one or first john chapter three verse three everyone who thus hopes in christ everyone who is a follower of jesus christ right purifies himself as he is pure everyone who is in christ pursues holiness as Christ is holy. So we need to be very concerned about our purity. Now today's text presents uh, to us five uh, hypothetical situations that Moses is presenting to the people of Israel as he's bringing out, as he's preaching this sermon, he, he gives them five hypothetical situations that are, that are meant to teach the Israelites how to respond to sexual sin. We have in our text, and you're going to see this when I read it in a minute, we have two cases of adultery, two cases of rape, and one case of incest. We are not Israel, as we've talked about time and time again. We're not the people of Israel. We're not standing on the, the shores of the Jordan getting ready to go into the promised land. We're, we're not here to establish a, a, a government with God as the, the king over that government. We're, we're the church, and, and so God governs the church, but, but we're not seeking to establish a government, and we're not, gonna, we're not called to carry out these laws to the extent that the Israelites were called to carry them out, but from these laws, from what Moses says here in our text, we can learn the importance of purity and how important it is to protect our own purity. So if you found your place there in Deuteronomy chapter 22, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. I hear the word of the Lord. If a man is found lying with the wife of another man 
both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall purge the evil from Israel. If there is a betrothed woman and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, when, uh, then you shall bring them both out to the gates of the city and you shall stone them to death with stones, the young woman, because she did not cry out for help, though she were, was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. But if in the open country a man meets a young woman uh, who is betrothed, and the man seizes her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the young woman. She, was, she has committed no offense punishable by death, for this case is like that of a man attacking and murdering his neighbor, because he met, met her in the open country, and though the betrothed woman cried for help, there was no one to rescue her. If a man meets a young virgin who is not betrothed and seizes her and lies with her, and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the father of the young woman 50 shekels of silver and she shall be his wife because he has violated her he may not divorce her all his days a man shall not take his father's wife that would be his stepmother so that he does not uncover his father's nakedness let's go to the lord in prayer heavenly father lord we thank you for your holy inspired and inerrant word Lord, we pray that you would teach us from this text today the importance of, of purity, the importance of protecting our own purity. Lord, we want to be holy as you are holy. We know in this life we're not going to be purely holy as you are holy, but Lord, we are still called to pursue holiness, to protect our purity the best we can, to conform to the, your image and likeness. So Lord, help us in this. We need your help. And we call upon you to impress on our hearts and give us the strength and the courage to, to be different and to protect our purity. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Protect your purity. How do you protect your purity? Well, first of all, if you're going to protect your purity, you're going to protect your purity by adopting a biblical sexual morality. Protect your purity by adopting a biblical sexual morality. Many people in our culture, including, again, many professing Christians, treat sexual morality, they treat purity as a light matter. It's a small thing. It's no big deal, right? It's no big deal. Pornography and all of these things, it's no big deal. Everybody does it. It's no big deal, but it's a big deal, right? It is a very big deal. It is a big deal to God. What you view, what you see with your eyes, what you hear with your ears, all of that is important to God. It is essential for God. Sexual morality is a serious matter to God. Right? We see that in our text because uh, out of all of these, uh, what's the call in most cases? When, when someone commits a sexual sin, what is the call in most cases? 
It's death. We think it's no big deal. We think it's no big deal. We treat it like it's such a light thing. But in most cases, God calls for the death penalty. It is that serious. In those other cases, like, like when, when it's a, a marriage case, when, when someone's committing adultery against their spouse, then there's death. If it's not, well, then there's a marriage that instantly takes place. You don't wait around. You don't have a nice ceremony. You don't do all of these things. You get married because you've got be, you, you to take care of that sin. You've got to take care and guard that purity so you get married. That's it. And you don't get divorced. And when it comes to the case of incest, there's other texts, although it doesn't say it specifically here in Deuteronomy, but in other texts say that in the case of incest, it's death. It sounds like a pretty serious matter to me. God takes sexual sin seriously. Where, where so many people today, they're flippant about sexual immorality. Uh, let's, let's be honest, in our world, that's not even a, a category. Sexual immorality is not a category. Anything goes in our culture. And the problem is that so many Christians are kind of just following right along with it. We see this. We understand that. We need to adopt a sexual, a biblical sexual morality. We need to understand that sex is a wonderful gift from God to be enjoyed in the context of marriage. And in no other context. It's a gift from God, a wonderful gift for God. In the context of marriage, it is given so that that husband and wife, they create an intimate bond experienced by no other human being. It is a wonderful gift in the context of marriage. That is the way God created it. That's how he established marriage was through this bond, this sexual bond. When, when sex takes place outside of that bond, it's sin. It is a major offense against God because not only are you, not just, it's, it's not just a physical thing, right? You are sinning against God because you are committing idolatry. You're worshiping the gift rather than the gifter. You're, you're taking God's created order and you're saying, God, I don't think that's right. You, you, you messed up here. This should be enjoyed outside of the bond of marriage. And now you're worshiping the gift. You're, you're putting it as central to your life, central to your joy instead of God. So Scripture tells us in other places when you do such thing that's idolatry it's worshiping the created thing rather than the creator who gave the gift if you're worshiping the creator then you're you're enjoying the gift in the context that he created the gift to be enjoyed within but when you take it out of that context now you're worshiping the gift you're worshiping the created thing you're committing idolatry and idolatry is a, a damnable offense to God. Sexual immorality of whatever kind is a damnable offense against God. We see this in the New Testament, right? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, or do you not know that the unrighteous 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It is a damnable offense against God, along with all of those other things, right? Sin is a damnable offense. It's not a light matter. It's not a light matter. Sin, is a, sin across the board is a serious matter to God. Sexual sin is a serious matter before God. So adopt a biblical sexual morality. Now, understand, if you are going to protect your purity, you need to first adopt a biblical sexual morality, but we need to also understand this. We need to understand that you cannot do that on your own, right? You can't adopt a biblical sexual morality on your own because by nature... (laughs) you are immoral. By nature, you are an enemy against God. By nature, your desires drive you. You need something outside of you to impress this on your hearts. That's why Paul goes on to say there, let me just go back. Or Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do, do not be deceived. The, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexual, uh, homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the good part. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Hear me now. Hear me. If you're going to adopt a biblical sexual morality, start by looking to Christ. Start by looking to Christ. Look to Him. And he'll change your desires. He'll transform your desires, your wants, your will, so that it will conform to his. Develop a biblical sexual morality by looking to Jesus Christ. So protect your purity by adopting biblical, a biblical sexual morality. Second, Protect your purity by considering the consequences of your sin. Considering the, the, uh, considering the consequences for your sin. This is what Moses is kind of doing in our text, right? He, he's pointing them to a serious consequence in their context. They're, he's pointing them to the consequence of their sin. If you sin against God, if you commit sexual immorality, right? It was a damnable offense, and, and there was a, the death penalty hovering over their heads then. For us, as we just saw, it is a damnable offense before God, and if we're not in Christ, then we're going to pay the consequences of that, but there's other consequences for sexual sin as well. There's many other consequences for sexual sin. We need to be aware of those, right? Why, why do you change your oil on a regular basis? 
It's not because your mechanic says so. It's because you consider the consequences. If I don't change my oil, my car's going to quit. My motor's going to blow up. So consider the consequences. The same thing with uh, sin. Consider the consequences. We understand that there's many consequences other than just the damnable part, right? It's a damnable offense before God. That's the most serious. We, we certainly want to look to that, but also think about the physical consequences. Young folks, hear me. Physical consequences, there's sexually transmitted diseases that you could live with for the rest of your life. As wonderful as modern medicine is, it still hasn't overcome many of those sexual transmitted diseases. Of course, there's unplanned pregnancy that's there. Children are a wonderful gift from God in the context of marriage. But outside the context of marriage, outside the bond of marriage, they can be a heavy burden. Consider the physical consequences. What about the spiritual consequences? There are many, many spiritual consequences, but let, let's just think about this one. Let's just drone in on this one. Think about this, the spiritual consequence of sexual sin. If you commit sexual sin, really any sin, if you're living in open, unrepentant sin, sexual sin included, then you forfeit the joy of your salvation. You are forfeiting the joy of your salvation. You see, when we're in Christ and we're pursuing Christ and living for Christ, then God the Father is like a loving Father who just pours out His riches of blessings upon us and He's there and we feel His presence. But when we sin, when we're living in sin, living in open, unrepentant sin, then we forfeit the joy of our salvation and we invite the discipline of God into our lives. Because let me assure you of this. God hates your sin. His whole purpose in sending Jesus Christ to this world to die for your sins, to justify you from your sins, was to make you pure and holy. And when you're fighting against that, God's not going to let you stay in that, that situation. He's not going to allow you to stay in that lifestyle. He will make your life miserable. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're living in sin, God will make your life miserable until you get out of that lifestyle of sin. Now, if you're living in open, unrepentant sin and your life is not miserable, then you might need to investigate your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the lost, they can live in sin, embrace sin, celebrate sin, and not feel anything about it. But God will not allow his children to remain in open, unrepentant sin. He will discipline you until you get out of that situation. The consequence of, the spiritual consequence of, of living in sin is losing that joy of salvation, forfeiting the joy of salvation and inviting God's discipline into your life. Well, of course, there's also the familial consequences. This really pertains to those cases of adultery. Think about the familial consequences. Think about what you do to your spouse, 
right? If you commit adultery, think about what you do to your spouse, the damage you do to your relationship. Think about the damage you do to your children when you commit adultery, the trust that is lost there. There's heavy familial consequences to sexual immorality. And of course, there's career consequences as well, especially if you happen to have an affair at your job. There's that career, possibly career ending. It certainly would be a a lack of trust, a a forfeiture of of trust. It's a, a, a blemish on your integrity. I certainly don't trust a man who cheats on his wife If he breaks that bond, if he breaks her trust, how can I then trust him? Think about that. There are career consequences. There's a man who who started having what he thought was innocent flirtation with a young woman at his job. He thought it was innocent. Let me be clear. There's, There's no such thing as innocent flirtation. The only person you should be flirting with is your spouse. That's the only innocent flirtation. Flirt with your spouse. Leave everybody else alone. Uh, There's no such thing as innocent flirtation with someone not your spouse. But he was engaged in flirtation, and flirtation led to other things and other things, and he ended up having an affair with this woman at his job. And be sure of this, that what happens in the darkness always comes to light. He lost his job, he lost his wife, and he lost his children, all for one moment of passion. Consider the consequences of sexual sin. Protect your, your purity by considering the consequences of sexual sin. Protect your purity by adopting a sexual, a biblical sexual morality. Consider the consequences of sexual sin. And third, protect your purity by valuing marriage. By valuing marriage, right? The context of marriage, that's where sex is supposed to take place. And so value marriage. Value the sanctity of marriage. We see the sanctity of marriage actually revealed in our text this morning, right? Because we see the most serious offense is those relationships where the covenant of marriage was broken. Where the covenant of marriage is broken, then then the death penalty applied. God takes marriage seriously. And God created the, 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 the covenant of marriage to be between one man and one, one woman for a lifetime. And then he brings them together and the two become one flesh. That is a, a serious covenant. And when that covenant is broken, whether it be in the case of a, a woman who is married or in the case of the, the young woman who was betrothed, because in that culture, it wasn't like our getting engaged in that culture to be betrothed to a, a, a man was to be married to him. She was legally married to him. They just hadn't consummated the marriage yet. And so the, the covenant had been made, and now this covenant is broken, and God said that's a serious offense. It's a serious offense because why? Because marriage reflects our relationship with God. When we come into a covenant relationship with God, if we break that and 
commit adultery, worshiping other things, then we break that covenant. We commit adultery against God. And so marriage is a sacred thing before God, and we need to understand the the sacredness, the sanctity of marriage. Man, enjoy your spouse, right? Uh, Respect the, the value of your spouse. Look to your spouse, husbands. Wives, look to your spouse. Value your spouse. Your present spouse to all those who are married. Value your spouse. Like invest in your relationship. Grow in your relationship with one another. Value him. Value her. Put her as as, as first place. Husbands, put your wife first place before anything else, anyone else other than God. God goes first then your spouse, then your children, then everybody else. God's spouse, that's it. Value your spouse. And for those who are not married, those young youngsters who are not married at this time, uh, think about your future spouse. Value your future spouse, whoever he or she may be. Value your future spouse because think about this. If you commit sexual immorality uh, before you're married, then you're bringing that into the relationship. You're going to eventually bring that into a relationship. There's baggage that's going to be brought into that relationship. Don't bring that, ba- that baggage into the relationship. Begin right now, even though you might know, not know who that person is. Value that person. God has got someone in mind for you. He's going to send them into your life. Value them. Value them more than a moment of passion. Value your spouse and enjoy your spouse. And enjoy your spouse. First Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 5. Because, uh, but because of the temptation to sexual sin, the, the Corinthians there were asking Paul about marriage. And Paul says, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Enjoy the wife of your youth, men. Enjoy the husband of your youth, ladies. Protect your purity by adopting a biblical sexual morality, considering the consequences of, of sexual sin, by valuing your marriage, and forth. By fleeing temptation. Boy, this one is important. By fleeing temptation. We see this, of course, exemplified by Joseph. Joseph, uh, how he fled from Potiphar's wife. Right? He, he, left, he left his shirt behind because she grabbed his shirt and he's, he came out of the shirt. Whew, he ran and he kept on running. He wanted no part of that. He fled temptation. Dear friend, we need to understand if we're going to overcome sexual sin, if we're going to fight and protect our purity, then we need to flee temptation when it comes because it will come. 
Satan will be sure of that. Satan wants you to be tempted, and so Satan will bring temptation into your life. Flee temptation. Flee tempting images. Flee tempting images. Boy, we have images all around us, don't we? We have terrible images. Just this morning, the TV was on, and something flashed up there on the TV, and I was like, whoa. I fled. I didn't want to see that. It's out there. It's on TV. It's all over the place. And it comes up like that. Before you know it, it's there. Flee tempting images, especially men, because we men are more image-driven. We need to be careful what we watch and what we see and what we view. And when something comes up that is tempting, flee it. Take off. Run. Flee tempting images, for Jesus tells us that everyone who looks on a, at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in, her in his heart. So if you ponder on that image, like we can't, we can't avoid every image. Images flash up before we know it, we see it, we can't avoid that. What, what is the sin is when we, what do we do after that? If you sit and ponder and look at that image, look at that woman walking by in the trashy dress, stare at that image on TV, continue to watching, watching that show because it's on, uh, because you enjoy the storyline or whatever. If you continue to, that's where sin starts to occur. When the images come, flee. Take off. Do whatever you have to do to, to get that image away from you. Flee the temptation. Flee tempting situations. Flee tempting situations. You know, I've shared this before, but Billy Graham, you know, his rule, he never, ever, ever, ever would be alone with another woman other than his wife and his children. That was it. And so much so that if he were on the elevator, right, because he traveled a lot, and if he was on an elevator and he was going down and he was alone on the elevator and the elevator stopped, a woman got on by herself, he would get off. And he would wait for the next elevator to come down and he would take that elevator. Flee those tempting situations, any situation that even could lead to a temptation flee those situations instead of embracing them flee from them i've adopted that same principle i'm not going to be alone with a, another woman i won't counsel unless there's somebody else in this office i'm not counseling a woman if someone can't come up here and meet me if someone else can't be here then we're going to have to reschedule for a later time because i'm not going to do that don't allow yourself to be in, in those tempting situations. It's dangerous. Well, well, I'm strong. I can, I can fight that. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Because all case is a moment of weakness. I know a lot of men who thought they could fight it. A lot of preachers even who thought they could fight the temptation. Thought they were above temptation. They, they were proud in their spiritual height. 
And they thought they could fight the temptation. But then came a situation where maybe things weren't so going so well at home. And they counseled someone alone. And one thing led to another. And before you know it, they've lost their wife, they've lost their kids, they've lost their job, all because they gave in to temptation. Don't be boastful. Don't think you're above temptation. Flee temptation. Flee tempting images. Flee tempting situations. Flee temptation, period. Be like Forrest Gump. Run, Forrest, run, and keep on running from temptation. Flee temptation. Protect your purity at all costs. Protect your purity by adopting a biblical sexual morality, by considering the consequences of sin, by valuing marriage, by fleeing temptation, and fifth, by telling someone. By telling someone. Now, there's two aspects to this that I want to cover briefly. First of all, uh, with sexual temptation, tell an accountability partner, right? With sexual temptation, tell an accountability partner. You, you need to have someone in your life that you can just be open and honest with. You, you need someone in your life that you can say, man, I'm dealing with this. This is a struggle. Maybe it's sexual sin. Maybe it's some other kind of sin. But, but you need to have someone else in your life who, who, you can, who can hold you accountable. Who can call you up and say, well, well, how did you do today? You need to have people in your life who, who you give permission to say, I think you're messing up. Uh, that's not a good situation. You need to get out of that situation because that's not healthy. That's going to lead to sin. You need those kind of people in your life. People who will be open and honest with you and will hold you accountable for your sin. And you need to tell them. You know, in uh, recovery, in alcoholism, drug addiction, in recovery, having that accountability partner, having that sponsor to call at any hour of the night, having a sponsor who can say, hey, quit that. Get out of that. That is essential to sobriety for the Christian life. An account, accountability partner is essential for maintaining purity. Oh, find you an accountability partner. Someone who can speak truth with, by, in love to you. Find an accountability partner. There's also another aspect of this also that I want to make clear. With sexual assault, tell an authority. This is a big issue in our day and time. We see it, especially in the SBC. We've, we've had a lot of discussions about this in these latter days. In the case of, of sexual assault, tell someone. Tell someone. Cry out. If, if someone's making you feel uncomfortable, if someone is, is making an advance and, and that, that they shouldn't be making, tell somebody about that. Don't be silent. Tell someone, tell an authority, someone that can do something about it. Never feel like you're the problem, that you should be shamed. If someone is making advances against you, tell someone. Tell someone. Guard against sexual sin. Guard your purity. Protect your purity by telling someone. Accountability partner. 
an authority, whatever the case may be. In your pursuit for holiness, protect your purity by adopting a biblical sexual morality, considering the consequences of sexual sin, by valuing marriage, fleeing temptation, and by telling someone. And most important, most important, hear me with this. When you struggle with temptation, when you struggle with sexual sin, when you stumble and you fall, because sometimes, even as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes we stumble and sometimes we fall. Sometimes we fail, but don't allow yourself to be kept down. When you fall into temptation, when you struggle, and even when you fall into sin, tell Jesus. Tell Jesus. Confess it to Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, if, you say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, right? Because we all sin. We all mess up. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But notice this, if we confess our sins, He, Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're here today and you've messed up. Maybe you've messed up. And you've fallen into sin. Maybe even now you're, you're living in open, unrepentant sin. And maybe you're feeling the discipline of God in your life, look to Jesus. Confess to Christ. He died for the sin. He paid the penalty for your sin. Look to Christ. And He will return to you the joy of your salvation. Maybe you're here today and you're living in sexual sin, sin period, and you don't have a problem with it. Maybe that's an indicator that your relationship with Christ isn't what you thought it was. Look to Jesus. Confess your sin to Jesus. Turn to him. He will forgive you. And he will give you the joy of his salvation. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we just want to take serious today, Lord, the your call upon our lives as followers of Jesus Christ to be holy as you, Lord, are holy. Lord, we understand that we're never going to be perfectly holy in this life. We're always going to be stained with sin, but Jesus died to stain, to purify us in his holiness. He accomplished what we could never accomplish so that we could have holiness in him and Lord, we thank you that you are working in us to make us holy as Jesus is holy. And Lord, we look forward to that day when we will see Jesus face to face and we will become holy, perfectly holy as he is perfectly holy because Lord, your scripture says that we will see him as he is. Oh Lord, we look forward to that day. But Lord, as we walk around in these jars of clay, we thank you that you have made us holy in Christ. 
We thank you that you are making us holy in Christ. And Lord, we pray for your power and your strength upon us that we might have success. And that day by day we would look more and more and more like Jesus. Oh Lord, if there's any today who've never looked to Christ, never trusted in Jesus, oh Lord, open their hearts to see. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.